May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages. Amen. The great Orthodox scholar, Father Alexander Schmemann, began his diary entry for April 22, 1973, with these words. Joy. How it flows out of these unique days, Lazarus Saturday and Palm Sunday. And indeed, having heard just now most of John chapter 11, which recounted the magnificent miracle of our Lord raising Lazarus from the dead after he had spent four days as a lifeless and malodorous corpse, we feel the same joy. Our hearts are full of joy today because this is the last and the greatest sign of our Lord's resurrection from the dead later in the week. Earlier in the gospel, of course, our Lord raised others from the dead. He raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead after she had been dead for only a matter of minutes. And later on, he raised the son of the widow of Nain after he had been dead for a few hours. And today we joyfully commemorate how our Lord summoned a man who had been dead four days back to life. And this year, as we bask in the joy of our Lord's raising of Lazarus, I suggest we also pause and consider the sorrow and the sadness that came before the joy. You know, dear brothers and sisters, if you were living in Bethany during the time of our Savior's earthly ministry, you would have undoubtedly known Lazarus, Martha, and Mary because our Lord loved this family deeply and he constantly visited them. And this family certainly loved Christ. The Gospel tells us, for example, that Mary was constantly at the feet of our blessed Savior, hearing his word. This was a faithful and a pious family, a shining example for every other family in those days. And most people seeing this family would have said they're blessed because they're so close to Christ they're going to have an easy life. He loves them too much to allow them to suffer. But that's not the reality that we hear in today's gospel. Instead, we heard today that Lazarus, who was only 30 years old at the time, suffered a serious illness and was gravely ill. We don't know exactly what the illness was, but it was clearly serious enough to claim his life in a very short time. The sisters told our Lord Lazarus is sick and within a day or two he passed away. Imagine, dear brothers and sisters, the sorrow and the sadness that came upon this pious family. Imagine Lazarus at the moment of his death. Imagine the terror that he must have felt when he realized that his soul was separating from his body. Imagine the sorrow that he must have felt knowing that he would never see his sisters in the flesh again. Imagine the anguish that he undoubtedly felt as his soul passed 
and entered into Hades, the dark and shadowy place where every soul was imprisoned before the resurrection of our Lord. And more importantly, imagine what Mary and Martha must have felt when they sent to our Lord, asking him to come because their brother was sick. He was only about a day's journey away from them. The sisters undoubtedly expected our Lord to come quickly to them after hearing their message. But what does our Lord do instead? He waits. Not just one, but two days he waits. The Lord delays his coming. Now, any reasonable person looking at what our Lord did might be tempted to think that our Lord is heartless and unsympathetic. But in reality, God's delays are mysterious. Sometimes God permits his children to experience sorrow and sadness for the sake of their salvation. And sometimes God even delays taking the sorrow away for the same reason. He never stops loving us, but his clock, so to speak, is different than ours. And indeed, Christ did the very same thing before he raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. You will recall in that story that our Lord was on his way to Jairus' home to heal the little girl who at that time was alive but sick. He was going to heal her because she was sick. But on his way, he stopped. He stopped. He delayed in order to heal a woman who suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years. The Lord delayed his coming. And by the time he arrived at the house of Jairus, the little girl had already died. It was only after this delay that our Lord manifested his glory and raised the little girl from the dead. And oftentimes our human logic cannot comprehend this, especially in the modern age, because we want everything now. We want instant gratification. We want instant satisfaction. This is now the norm. But we should be careful because the work of the devil is oftentimes done in a hurry. Remember, later this week, our Lord is going to say to Judas, his betrayer, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. Evil is oftentimes done quickly whereas goodness oftentimes delays for the sake of the greater good. When our Lord willfully delayed coming to Lazarus until he had been in the tomb for four days, imagine how much the family's faith was tested. Habibi. When our Lord willfully delayed his coming to Lazarus after he had been in the tomb for four days, imagine how much the family's faith was tested. We see this clearly 
in both the words of Mary and Martha to our Savior, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In these words, we see that although the sisters had faith in Christ, their faith was not yet complete. Can you imagine saying to Christ, Lord, if you had been here? Of course, Christ was there. He was there. And this is clear in what Christ says to his disciples. Remember that at first Christ receives a message from the sisters telling him that Lazarus was sick. Our Lord delays, as we have seen, and then without hearing any more information, our Lord says to the disciples, Lazarus is dead. How did our Lord know that Lazarus was dead? He knew because he was there. As God, he was there with Lazarus. And yet Mary and Martha, struggling with their faith, say to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Brothers and sisters, you may not realize this, but we oftentimes say the same thing to our Lord when we undergo some tribulation or sorrow in our lives. We say to him, Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have lost my job. Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have become sick. Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have experienced any sorrow in my life. And too often we try to rationalize our pain by pointing to the supposed absence of Christ in our lives. But the truth is that Christ is never really absent in our lives. Yes, he may delay for a while. He may allow our suffering to be extended for some time, but he is never truly absent. God may abstain for a moment from healing us and bringing us joy, but that is not because God does not love, but rather it is because God never stops loving. And he sees a greater good coming from the situation, a greater good that we oftentimes simply cannot see. This beautiful story of the raising of Lazarus is about faith, as much as it is about our Lord's authority over death. Our Lord interacts with Mary and Martha and the disciples and the bystanders, and, he see, and we see that he is slowly building up their faith. He's teaching them not to look at things with a fallen human mind, not to use our natural human logic, but rather to see things through the eyes of faith. Everyone around Christ in this event is seeing the event in a fallen way. For the disciples, our Lord's decision to return to Judea is basically his death sentence, and they are right. For Mary and Martha, yes, they have faith in Christ. They even declare him as the Son of God, but their human minds cannot comprehend how God is, how Christ is going to deal with a situation of a lifeless corpse that has been in the tomb for four days. And everyone else in this event is weeping and wailing and crying. But our Lord is the only one who sees this whole situation differently. 
He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he sees this as a wonderful opportunity to bring others to faith and to finally reveal himself to the world as the Son of God. To finally perform the wondrous miracle that will lead to his life-giving passion and crucifixion. And indeed, as we're going to hear in the next couple of days, it is this miracle, it is what our Lord does today that finally sends the leaders of the Jews over the edge. It is this miracle that essentially leads to his death sentence. Many people believed in Christ because of this miracle, and as a result, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill both Jesus and Lazarus. And indeed, the beautiful irony of all of this is that Lazarus's empty tomb led to the cross, and the cross led to Jesus's empty tomb. And so we see the great irony in the events that start today. Our Lord saw all of this clearly in the midst of all of the pain, the sadness, the sorrow, and the faithlessness. He wept for us, and he wept for what had become of us. And then he spoke words of power, Lazarus, come forth. These words of authority penetrated the very depths of Hades. As we read in the Psalms, the voice of the Lord is mighty. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord who breaks the cedars, the Lord will break the cedars of Lebanon. The rulers of Hades, of this dark place, had never heard such a request before. They'd never heard such a request from Christ spoken with such authority, and they found themselves powerless to resist. No longer could they hold the soul of Lazarus in prison. And now the soul of Lazarus, after the voice of the Lord thundered in Hades, the soul of Lazarus began to ascend back to the surface of the earth until it was reunited with his body. And his body was rejuvenated in an instant. There was no more stench. There was no more sickness. But Lazarus became whole. And he sat up in the tomb, and he stumbled towards the light that was shining into the opening of the tomb. And there, as he stood in this light, he came face to face with the light of the world. He came face to face with the resurrection and the life who summoned him from death and corruption back to life. He came face to face with his friend who loved him. And as for the rest of the people, their sorrow was instantly transformed into joy. No longer was there any doubt, either from the bystanders or from the leaders of the Jews. No longer was there any doubt as to who this is. We know from tradition that Lazarus lived another 33 or 40 years after his first death, serving as the bishop of the island of Cyprus. And he was sent to Cyprus, which was far away from Jerusalem, in order to protect him from the Jews who wanted to kill him. 
And this is perhaps why this radiant miracle that we heard about today, this is perhaps why it is only recorded in the Gospel according to St. John, which was written after Lazarus had died a second time. The other evangelists wrote their gospel while Lazarus was still alive, and most likely in order to protect him, they left this story out of their gospel account. But once Lazarus died a second time, the story made its way into the gospel according to St. John. Today, dear brothers and sisters, we are edified by this most glorious miracle. Our hearts are filled with joy, but more importantly, they are filled with faith. We now see how God dealt even with a pious family that was intimately close to him, how he permitted them a short period of sorrow and suffering for the sake of a greater glory that he would manifest when he summoned Lazarus from the dead. Let this day be a reminder to us whenever those words enter into our mind, Lord, if you had been here, I would not have suffered. Whenever these words enter our mind or whenever we are tempted to blame our circumstances on the absence of Christ, let us remember this day. Let us trust God with our lives, knowing that whatever is happening is happening because there is more good in it happening than in it not happening. If we have faith, then the day will come when, like Lazarus, we will emerge from the tomb of sadness and we will come to the joyful light in the presence of our Savior. To Him be all glory, to the All-Holy Father, and to the All-Holy Son, and to the All-Holy Spirit, now and forever, and unto the age of all ages. Amen.